Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 332. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And shockingly, for the first time in months, all three of us are here. Connor is also <laughs> graced us with his appearance. <laughs> Who's this guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here in body, but my mind is elsewhere. Yes. Uh, the first episode he's been on with all three of us in months, and he's paying more attention to some stupid uh, sporting event. The biggest sporting event in the world, objectively. Uh... I don't care. They're all stupid. They're relevant. The <laughs> They're size is irrelevant. Stupid to Pete. <laughs> uh... In fact, this one, if anything, is more corrupt than most of them are, so he's more stupid. I don't, I don't think yeah. Connor will argue that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> yes. Deeper are a bullshit rogue organization. What do you want me to say? Are all of your countrymen enjoying alcohol at the uh, sporting event? Uh, they are outside the stadiums <laughs> for 12 pound a Budweiser Jesus Christ Look, I don't know the only beer alcohol. you're allowed to buy yeah, I, don't, I don't know much about uh, alcohol prices but that seems way too much for Budweiser uh, I'm also surprised that Qatar are using pounds as currency that's just... mm-hmm. well I don't know it's just I, that, that was what it was always re- it's all been reported as maybe that's just what it converted clearly but... <laughs> I will say I, I've been getting um Stuff in my feed about how how wild the the people from Mexico are making it. Yeah, there uh, was they brought... something I think today between the Mexicans and the Argentinians. <laughs> like there was like some stuff going on in the streets between yeah. them. Like, I just I just this? I saw a video that they brought their own horses, and I just I love it. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. They said this lady was like, "They're never going to invite us back to the World Cup again." <laughs> We got people on horseback, and they brought their own horses. How did they bring uh, their own horses? I don't. It's uh, I yeah. have no idea. There's never been talks. So there's there's a a tradition of England fans, not specifically for this tournament, but in general of yeah. uh, dressing up as like you know knights and you know as like Saint George yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, uh, the people who are doing that are getting refused entry to the stadiums because, unsurprisingly, dressing up as a crusading knight does not go down well in the Middle East. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm still on the horse thing. How much does it cost to put a horse on a plane? I, I think probably a lot. Probably a lot. Even a boat, though. That's a lot of effort to go yeah. through. I'm going to take a ship to get to the World Cup because I want to take yeah. a horse with me. That's just... I don't know. It's just a Yeah, bit... dude, it's, it's wild. I don't know. I'm just thinking. And then there was video from it, and there were you know people just as mariachis riding the horses. So I'm assuming they just didn't like rent horses in Qatar. Or cutter, whatever, however we're pronouncing it. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It was hilarious though. So yeah, that 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 is wild. Well, believe it or not, this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together and we talk about the comics to come out this week that we read. Coming up on this week's show, we have Detective Comics 1066, Action Comics 1049, Dark Crisis: The Dark Army Issue One. DC vs. Vampires issue 11, The Human Target issue 9. It's technically a Patreon book, but Connor's talking about Tim Drake Robin issue 3. <laughs> Matt's going to talk about Sergeant Rob vs. The Army of the Dead issue 3. And then Connor's got another Patreon book of Undiscovered Country issue 19. So that's today's itinerary, is what we're doing. So uh, let's take an inventory of our feelings and 
talk about these books. That was a reference to the Santa Claus 3 because I just watched it for review. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I. Is that the one with Martin Short? It is, yes. Yeah, that's the one I haven't seen. It's, uh. If they didn't just squeeze all of their plot into the last 30 minutes, it might have been an okay kids <laughs> movie, but <laughs> they, they made yeah. some weird choices. But regardless, uh, you can check out my thoughts on that in about a month's time on the Collector's Cut. Uh, yeah. or, or movie podcast over on Mail Fuzz Movies or in whatever podcast app you like to uh, get your podcast from. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we, we got that coming up. Obviously, Matt somehow dodged the week that we had both Amunta Solicis and also all yeah. of the Dawn of DC news. Uh, yeah. So, well, I don't know why you're happy about that. You didn't even get to talk about the fact that you're getting uh, Green Lantern books or Green Arrow. Yeah. Or... I mean, I talked about it with some other people and I talked about it with Connor. Um... You didn't so, have to hear Pete get really upset that I had a theory on the Green Lantern books. <laughs> Which theory was this? I want to watch him get upset again. That so they're not going to run at the same time. Uh, he thinks it's going to be alternating minis, one for each Green Lantern, and there'll never be more than one. So why does that make you upset? Just because you believe that Green Lantern can well, handle I think, two? I think upset's a bit of a strong word. I think uh, I just, gotcha. I said I hope that wasn't the case. Gotcha. Gotcha. So... Yeah. Yeah, but hey, uh, so not a lot of news this week. Uh, not a lot of much to talk about. But yeah, because all the news dropped last week. That does mean, though, there's plenty oh, no. of time for the Comixology Top 10. Is it Batman? So we're going to look at the Tuesday date numbers. This is all the books released on Tuesday, which is obviously just DC. So what do you think the number one most selling book on Comixology is for DC this week, as of right now, on Friday, when we record this? I mean... Connor already guessed that it's Batman. No, in, in all seriousness, because, see, I don't like this split things, because I used to be able to go, is it Batman, is it X-Men? Now I can't do that. Um, <laughs> right, I mean, you still can. I mean, there's still a yeah, but I can't Batman do that book. Yeah. So, yeah, it's two separate top tens now, so you're going to have to accept that. Yeah, that's what I don't like. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess Tech, just because of the old Batman. It is not Detective Comics, no. Wow. Connor, you got a guess? Yeah, he just said it. Yeah, Human Target. It's not Human Target either. Is it Action Comics? It's not Action Comics. Oh, this is garbage. <laughs> is it the Dark Crisis Dark Army special? It is the Dark Crisis Dark yeah, Army yeah, yeah, yeah. issue one one shot. Yeah. See, so I don't immediately go to those because we're not talking, you know, shop numbers, right? These are comicsology numbers. So I I would always feel when they were, you know, we're basing it off the other list that shops would order more of those because it's a tie into a big event. So I, I guess something about this one was just tempting enough yeah. to people to, to, to sure. buy into yeah. it. Uh, the number two book is Action Comics. Mm. 1049. Uh, so that's doing quite well. Number three is Human Target, issue nine. Uh-huh. Number four is DC vs. Vampires, issue 11. And number five is Detective Comics. What is going on? People need to be reading Ram V. Like, look. I ain't one to stand up for Batman, all right? <laughs> However, I will stand up for, for Rambi. So, yeah, yeah, it's surprising that Tech has probably not been that low in a while, relatively yeah. speaking. Yeah, I'm curious if this is just a comicsology thing and it may be yeah. like the variants and stuff or making sure the physicals are doing all mm-hmm. right or, you know, or what. But, like, yeah, Rambi's a good writer, so... I, it, I was... it being below DC Vampires is surprising mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, action, yeah. It's, Batman usually sells more than Superman and... You know, respectively, detective more than action, so it's a mm-hmm. bit weird, but I get it. 
Action's um, on a bit of a, a great run yeah, right now. So. Exactly. It's on a tear. Yeah. Uh, human target. Yeah. Okay. Your your prestige limited series often sell pretty well. Yeah. Um, DC Vampire. You know that's that's the one that surprises me. I think. Really. Yeah. I I mean, after that, we get to the sort of the other side. Like, that's definitely the big... I mean, that's the five books we... Well, yeah. you didn't read Human Target, Connor, but uh, generally speaking, yeah. this is this is the ones we read, <laughs> at least five. Uh, but then you get to sort of the, the dregs. Number six is Batman Fortress, issue seven. Number seven is Tim Drake Robin, issue three, which Connor is excited to talk about later. Uh, mm-hmm. Then number eight is Sergeant Rock uh, versus the Army of the Dead. Number nine is the Punchline book, and then number ten is Deathstroke Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue fifteen, uh, leaving uh, you know the stuff that's sort of out in the cold. Then is just you know the Gotham Knights tie in DC Mech, Unsurprisingly, the one that surprises me still again is Harley Quinn twenty four, not even making the top ten of just the DC books this week. That's quite a lot for Harley. Surprising. Yeah, yeah, Harley twenty four is uh, number twelve out of. And given that this is only the DC list, that's... Uh... I, I would say I think a lot of Harley's audience is the bookstore audience. Sure. But uh, I think it probably sells really well in the trades. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really have no insight into it. It's just surprising because Harley Quinn's a popular enough character that I mm-hmm. expect her to do better than that. But, um, I mean, hell, Punchline's outselling Harley. <laughs> that's... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a joke Harley would make there. But, you know. Pretty sure that that joke was made in DC versus Vampires. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that is the DC side of the top ten. But as always, we will look at the Wednesday uh, books and see what's going on mm-hmm. elsewhere in the industry. Uh, any guesses for number one for the rest of the X Men? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's multiple X books though, Connor. God damn it! So the main one. Gotta... Oh, I don't know what the main one is anymore. It's this week. There's not an yeah, uncanny X Men, so I, yeah, I don't know. Well. Right. I think Immortal is technically the main one right uh-huh. now. There's also an adjectiveless one that sounds like it's one of the main ones. Yeah. So is that the one you're going to go with, Connor, is the adjectiveless? If that was out this week, sure. Yeah. But I don't know what else was out. I'll go with X-Force. Neither's correct. Number one is Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> the last time I guessed Spider-Man, I was wrong, so I couldn't trust Peter Parker yeah. anymore. Yeah, you can't do I mean, Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man issue 14, uh, which uh, notably still has John Romita Jr. art on the current run. Uh, uh, yikes. It's a shame, but at least it's keeping him away from DC, and that's all I can yeah. be thankful for. Uh, and that wasn't yeah. a reference to th- Thanksgiving. I'm just always going to yes. be thankful for John Romita Jr. being kept away from DC. I'm, I'm just glad Bendis is gone as well now. <laughs> Is he gone? I don't know if he's I think gone, so. Gone. There's a lot of stuff like his stuff's been mm. under. I think, I think it might mm-hmm. have been this week, actually, that they confirmed that uh, Superman and John are getting secret identities back. Oh, right, okay. Then, yeah, they, they, uh, it'll be in, I think, Action uh, 1050. Yep. It's obviously the, the big kind of mm. changing and, point for the, the, the current run. And Williamson talked about that because he feels like there's a lot of stuff that is missing from the Superman mythos when he doesn't have the secret identity. Um, so I, you know, I actually don't like that they're changing this back. I think that this, yeah. like, regardless of what you think of Bendis, I think that was a, a natural step forward for the character. Mm-hmm. And this, this feels like going back on a marriage in the same way to me. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to revert this just for the sake of going back to a status quo that we're all familiar with. It is definitely going back, and probably arguably too soon once it was done. But mm-hmm. I do find it personally more interesting. Still, I haven't enjoyed any of the stuff, particularly about having you know no identities out there. In the 
Yeah. It's had a secret identity for like 80 years. You know what? Like, I, I, I could happily let it go forever in, mm-hmm. a, in the comics. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very weak argument, but I'm going to trust Williamson because I tend to... I was say, like it, more... it very much feels like Bendis is out now and it's just like, yeah. let's just kind of undo what we can. Yeah. Like, they can't age John back down, but they can... <laughs> I don't somehow... know. Sorry, I don't know. Lazarus... They might try. Give, 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 yeah. Don't know yet. <laughs> Lazarus Planet's coming. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I was, honestly, that, them reverting that so quick feels a bit cheap to me. I'm actually sorry, yeah. sorry to hear that. I think it's a bit shy. Yeah, and not because they're reverting yeah. something Bendis did. I actually don't think Bendis doing it is the reason why they're wanting well, to do it. There's, there's always I always like when writers take status quo and then they play with it, and so instead of just starting from scratch and resetting stuff, is they just play within the the rules that you know or the guidelines that were established. So, but who knows? I don't know, maybe this is an editorial thing. And, yeah, it could be know, editorial. Just playing along. Who knows? Could be Williamson. I mean, Johnson didn't seem to give a shit doing his no. uh, action run. Uh, he's just sort of made it work for him. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, kind but... of avoided a lot of it by just not being on Earth for most of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no. I mean, he got a whole new identity on War World. But honestly, so... I think it's a bad decision. It's a really uninteresting decision to me. Um, yeah. But oh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna see how it plays out. And, and you know, I'll be fine in time. It's not like yeah. it's not gonna have good stories. But I just I don't know. It's just like. Oh, we're just gonna go back to that, which is the default yeah. status. I don't know. I just yeah. this the, the least interesting path for me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it reeks a bit cowardly, right? It's, it's, yeah. it, it feels like when Superman writers say uh, it's hard to write Superman because he's so powerful, or you know, that's that's what that feels like to me. Oh, it's hard to write Superman if he doesn't have the secret identity. Piss off. I I get where this is coming from. Uh, I I do understand that. Oh, okay, maybe it is a bit soon to kind of just undo that. Mm-hmm. For me. There are so many heroes now that don't have secret identities anymore. That, that that's kind of, especially in you know, the wider media, not just the comics. It's kind of gone for the most part. So for me, I I like having it there. In you know, in especially something like Superman, where it is like a, a staple part of of those stories. So uh, I'm okay with it personally. All right, uh, number two on the Marvel list is X Men issue seventeen. There it is. Uh, number three is Daredevil issue five, uh, and it's still Zardsky, but it's renumbered now like multiple times. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be hard to keep keep track now. It's the so annoying. Like, I, like you know what? Yeah. If you want to renumber when a new team starts to run, like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like it, but I can live with that. But this renumbering like multiple times in the same writer's run, you know, like Aaron's yeah. Thor. I mean, each one yep. technically had a slightly different title, but I don't at, care. at least with Aaron's Thor stuff it was like there is a different main character so i could justify yeah, well, that no always though yeah. they, they, they renumbered no. like lady thor in the middle oh, yeah, she had did. more yeah. than one book yeah yeah okay. they went to the legacy numbering during the mighty thor it was very confusing yeah, yeah i forgot about that and then one. they went to yeah. adjective was thor and it was still lady mm-hmm. thor so yeah. like so technically they did it twice <laughs> yeah 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 no um but at least with that one it felt like different like if you go to the comic shop or the bookstore and you're trying to keep track. I you feel like you could run the numbers pretty easy. This feels like when I was trying to read Brubaker's Captain America, and there was different volumes, and they, you know, no. so you'd have to look at the 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 title. The, the very sure the very worst is still uh, Lemire's All New Hawkeye, and then yeah. All New Hawkeye again in the same year. Yeah, it was two number ones with the same title yeah. in the same year by the same team. <clears throat> but that that was that was the peak of the worst. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, uh, that completely aside, I am looking forward to catching up on this Daredevil run. 
Yeah, uh, me too. When I get in the uh, the mood for it. Uh, number four is Miracle Man by Gaiman and uh, Buckingham. Yep. Issue two. Yep. So, uh, interesting. Uh, number five is X Force issue thirty four. Number six is Avengers Forever issue eleven. And number seven is some Star Wars book, Revelations issue one. Do you behind know what that is? All my Marvel stuff at the by Mark Guggenheim. Oh my. <laughs> Uncle Googie himself. Uncle Googie's in a Star Wars book. Uh, no, number eight is Star Wars Yoda issue one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. number, Who's on that team? Uh, that's Kevin Scott and Phil Noel. So the art will be. Yeah, yeah. and Kevin Scott's nice. done a, quite a lot of Star Wars stuff in yeah. the last few years. Mm. Um, it's funny, every week I'm checking next week to see if there's any interesting number ones coming out from elsewhere that are worth trying. Uh, and obviously, this is all Star Wars stuff, so I'm not getting none this week. <laughs> Easy to ignore. Thank you very much. Uh, number nine is Defenders Beyond, issue five, which is the final issue of that miniseries. And then number ten is Doctor Strange <clears throat> Falls Sunrise, issue one of four. So, that yeah. is a very weird looking cover. That is a very weird looking cover. Uh, so, yeah, some odd stuff in there. Uh, once you get out of the top 10, though, you do actually get some non Marvel stuff uh, happy. So, yeah, some image books. Uh, there's a Power mm-hmm. Rangers issue uh, in the top 15. Vanish issue to you, which is a Donny Cates image series. So, there's some other things there. Um, so, cool. But yeah, there you go. There's uh, your Comicsology top 10. Um, and I was getting a request, request this week for people to sponsor this segment, uh, so I can, so, so that I thank individual people who want to punish you to by ensuring the top ten never goes oh, away. Uh, oh, good! I will know names to wreak havoc upon. <laughs> <laughs> a list of targets. Y'all, yeah, y'all sure you want to do this? Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but there you go. That's the that's the, that's the top ten. Um. Alright, well, are you feeling alright, Matt? I assume you ate a lot of food yesterday. Oh, yeah, I was feeling miserable for a good 45 minutes, but then I took a nap, and then I woke back up for dessert, so, um, yeah, I'm good now. I mean, I, I went to the gym this morning, worked it all out, and then... <laughs> How naive. Worked it all out. There's no way you yeah. worked off everything you ate yesterday in one gym I mean, session. I did go play an hour and a half of football yesterday, and then I ate, and then I went to the gym for an hour today. So, it's well, it might not all be out. Uh, it's probably mostly uh-huh. by now. Um, that said, there's leftovers in the fridge for later. So, um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I was feeling real miserable. I, I outkicked my coverage. Uh, so sounds like you it, just didn't eat enough to me. No, I did. I did, Connor. And then it was the last plate of mashed potatoes that really did me in because I feel like once they got in there, they expanded, and it was it was not good. I, I don't think mashed potatoes act the way you think they do. <laughs> I'm telling you how it felt, how it went in my stomach. All you know? I know is there's no such thing as too much mashed potato. So no, that's well, true. Tell, tell that to me after my third plate yesterday. Uh, Matt, yeah. let's go back in time. Just, just, and and think. No such thing as too much. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was it was very very good. So 
Yeah. Um, I stuff my face with Chinese food yesterday, which had nothing to do with any holidays. I just happened yeah. to get Chinese food. <laughs> I'm planning on doing there, that tonight. Yeah, we were, we were trying to figure out what we're doing for Christmas dinner, and he kept suggesting just order Chinese, and he kept getting shouted down. So, uh, you know what? They can figure it out. I think I'm just going to order Chinese for myself on Christmas Eve, and then that's going to be my Christmas dinner. So, uh-huh. I don't get Chinese food enough, and I'm jealous of you guys. Do you have Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve? Yeah. So, well, but the way that we do it, because, you know, my wife's family's all pretty, the older we get, the more that we split off. So we do our pig family Christmas on Christmas Eve. Yeah, no, I've just, I've I've noticed this is like a 50-50 thing amongst Mm -hmm. Americans. Half the Americans seem to do it on Christmas Day, which I I would say is the UK way of doing it. And then half the Americans Mm -hmm. do it on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's what we do. And then Christmas Day is usually for me and my wife. Um... And usually we used to go to the movies. We um, have Boxing Day for that. Yeah. So like Everyone here does Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. That's it. There is no other yeah. way of doing it. And then you have yeah. Boxing Day as the uh, spare day afterwards to do your own shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so... And this year, we're not going to have anybody on Christmas Day. A lot of... Half of her family is going to Arizona to see a football game. Um, and the other half's going to San Diego. Uh, we're staying here, so... Uh, probably just gonna sit and hang out. Who knows? Maybe see a movie, depending on what's out. Um, well, so. uh, my boy James Cameron's next epic is going to be out in time for Christmas. So, still don't believe, still don't believe it's coming. Oh, it's coming! I, don't don't I, tell I, James I got, Cameron. I got a trailer. I got a trailer, a different trailer than the one I've seen, and that started to make me believe that maybe it is. Um, but I still feel this is a prank. Uh. You're gonna sit down. There's gonna be no movie, or it's just you know, a greatest hits compilation from James Cameron. Hey, uh, people keep doubting James Cameron. I'm just saying, don't, because people doubted him when Avatar One came out, and then it smashed every record. Just don't, don't doubt him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, Ash couldn't remember if she had gone to the theater to see the first one, and she didn't, but she thinks she has for some reason. Uh, so we're gonna, you know, it's that transcendent. Um, it, it somehow, yeah. when she yeah. watched it on a TV screen, it kind of just emanated off and yeah, burrowed into her so, brain. Well, no, she's never actually seen it. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, everything <laughs> she knows comes from the the Disney Park stuff, from from the ride over Disney World. So, um, so yeah, I think we're gonna watch it because I am gonna have to go to the theater to see this thing if it actually exists. Um, oh, it does. It's got a runtime and everything yeah. now. Yeah. What's the runtime? Three hours and oh, no. twelve minutes, I think. Oh, <laughs> hey, James Cameron uh, movies come out once but a decade these days. If that, uh, uh, give me every minute you can. Peter, Peter, did I hear something about a True Lies TV series? Oh yeah, it's like a it's like a CBS like show coming in January. Yeah. Okay. Thought I thought maybe I, I dropped that up. It's probably uh, going to be shit because it's a CBS network show. Yeah, but uh, it would be nice if that meant we got a 4K remaster of Trail Eyes around that already? time. But uh, they're dragging their feet on that in the uh, abyss. I won't go into this rant again. But I no, don't... please don't. I, that's not what I meant. I just was going to say because that's the James Cameron I I like is, is the True Lies side. So what do you mean side? They all did one movie like I that. Don't... <laughs> Because after True Lies, he made Titanic, and then he's incapable of making a movie that's sub three hours. So Avatar wasn't uh, over three hours. It felt like it. <laughs> it did not. It, it did. 
I don't mean that as it was very immersive. Who knows how long I was in the theater for? Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, Carr's <laughs> muted himself somehow. Try to make some. <laughs> I can see him. I can see him saying, "No, I haven't." But he, we're not hearing him. Oh, he's having technical difficulties. Skype, Skype's gone rogue again. Like oh, that's just fantastic. Look at him. Yeah. He's trying to speak and he can't. Pete, Pete, did you get to watch Dynamite yet? I did watch Dynamite, yes. Okay. Yeah, what, what'd you think? Uh, that Chicago crowd can kiss my ass, uh, <laughs> is what I think. <laughs> Look, it doesn't help that your boy Kenny Omega was going out of his way <laughs> to actively taunt them. Oh, well, no, I think that was intentional. He was trying yeah. to play, he was playing situational heel. Like, that's, yes. that's what they were yes. doing. It was... It was... Um... <laughs> Can't try to figure out why I can't speak. Um, I I have no mouth, but I must ginger complain. uh, Did did you see that he thanked Kenta? I did see that on Twitter. Yes, I did. I did. Uh, I love the the shenanigans. It's this is what makes wrestling fun. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of wrestling, I don't know if we talked about how The Rock got butt hurt because uh, IGN just stated a fact on Twitter that. Black Panther 2 has already made more than Black Adam, and The Rock <laughs> had to reply to it and get all... What did he have to say? He basically just like, well, you know, no one knew who the GSA we were a year ago. We were like, we were the new kids in town, and like, so, you know, you give us a break, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It felt very defensive. It was very thin-skinned. Look, I, I love Dwayne. I, I think he's a great talent. Um... I'm a DC fan that still gets to see Black Adam, yet I went opening day to see Wakanda Forever. So, new kids in town or not, man. And maybe just, I don't know. Just let that slide. I haven't seen either yet. And I ain't in no rush. Yeah. If anyone's wondering why we're just rambling here, we're just sort of stalling for time. We're going for Connor. Tries to fix things. Hey, uh, interim champ label's gone. Uh, That's pretty good. Uh, Yes, yes, I saw that. That's good. Um, very excited for her. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Black is back. Very excited. I thought it was Danhausen. Uh, you know, or Darkhausen. Uh, and, and yeah. I know it's we get Brody King giving a Godzo bomb to, to a security member up on the ramp, and it looks super cool. They look super scary. Uh, oh boy, Connor. It's like the universe doesn't want him back. Yes, Con- Con- Connor's uh, messaging via text by bird messenger because he can't speak right now. Uh, there's no reason for it not to be working. On my end, everything is showing up fine. Elvin Skype is registering me talking. Elvin Skype? Is oh, that like a... Elvin. Elvin oh. Skype. <laughs> I thought he was trying to talk a nice Skype. <laughs> uh. well, look at him typing. He's furiously typing. I can Uh-oh. see <laughs> What if we got a, a voice modulator for him, and he just types his thoughts? There's a cat on the keyboard, hence the typos. I mean, you get into a lot of these keys. You know, you're only making a couple of typos. There's a lot of keys getting hit correctly here. So this cat's not covering a lot of it. <laughs> well, cat's not on the keyboard anymore. I just saw the cat pop up in a frame. This is a... Uh... <sighs> It was a crackle. No, he's still not speaking. Yeah. I mean, it can't be on my end, because I'm hearing Matt. Yep. <laughs> Matt's coming through just fine. Did you try to unplug it and plug it back in? <laughs> oh, oh, he's, he's, he's left the call. Oh, no. 
He probably uh, wants to be added back in, I imagine. Oh, he's coming back in. Can you hear me now? Oh, there he is. Yeah, but we're in the wrong spot. This uh, is uh, what? Nothing changed. <laughs> well, oh. something's changed. You've, you've moved <laughs> boxes, you I saw a kitty cat tail. Nothing on Skype was wrong. All my settings were right. All I did then was drop out the call and join back in, and it's fine now. What the... Ugh. I hate Skype. Uh, it's a piece of shit. Man. Uh, I'm not fixing the videos. You're just staying like that. Oh, it's shit. <laughs> All right, that's good. Just know I am not Connor. If this is your first, if you stumble <laughs> upon this... I am not Connor. Direct all hate towards Connor. Not me. I mean, he can have some of the hate. Connor's going to start getting saying. all these nice messages for people who stumble upon the individual yeah. videos that have your Twitter underneath them. Yep. <laughs> uh, I know, but the opposite. They'll be the opposite. You'll you'll get a lot of shitty messages, Matt. Because they'll think he's your yeah. If, if you suddenly think Connor's full of wit, just know it's me. <laughs> All right, let's get into the comics, shall we? Uh, so, what are we leading off with? Detective Comics 1066 Ram V rating and Ivan Reese on the art. So, continuing this, uh, you know, the, this, this family, the werewolf. Yes. All this stuff. Uh, continuing on in the book, uh, which. You know, I, I quite like this issue. So this, this is uh, obviously Ram V writing. We have a different artist on this mm -hmm. issue. Ivan Reese is on this one. Yes. Very very familiar to, to me. So as soon as I opened the book, I was like, wow, this this, this art uh, very is... People say it looks house style, but I feel like the DC house, house style has been adapted from Reese. So... Uh, I, I think... I don't know if it's the inks, but I think this is a lot less clean than yeah. I usually find Reese books. It's, it, it's a lot heavier on yeah. shadows. Mm-hmm. And that might have been a creative choice, though, too, right? right? Yeah, maybe it's, it's also slightly because I read this after Action Comics, but it's very Perkins-esque yeah. on the inks, I think, mm -hmm. in this issue. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's just trying to keep in style with uh, the previous artist or something, like yeah. just trying to keep a consistent tone. I'm, I'm just saying that I feel like the one thing that's been missing from Batman books is a werewolf. So the fact that we got this guy, I'm very, very happy. I mean, granted, Ben Percy could have put a werewolf in Batman had he written him. Oh, or, 100% would have done. Right, you know, or or Nightwing had he got to finish that run. But, uh, yeah, this this stuff is, uh, Ram V, I like him playing with, with Gotham this way. Because, like, not a lot happens, but there's a lot of, like, uh, intricate, I can't ever say this word, like little tiny stuff that's happening to move the story forward. Yeah, what he said. Yeah, so um, the last issue ended with Batman on Gordon's couch in the dark being, you know, mm -hmm. bandaged up and whatnot. Uh, and he wakes up here three days later uh, and Gordon's kind of like explaining like where he is, what's going on. Um, and as we're seeing this, we also see that the uh, the family, uh, the Arzen family, are demolishing Arkham. They're actually tearing yeah. down the building. Uh, presumably to rebuild a new version of it? Yes. For the sounds of it? Yeah. You would think, but and also I feel like this is them finally, you know, getting to change Gotham. Um, oh, so it's the start of them trying to change Gotham. Yeah, you know, it's uh, so 
Like, it, there's, you know, there's a lot of very ominous lines from him, especially when uh, the young one meets Bruce and talks mm-hmm. about how you have to... Uh, well, it's the woman who said it to him, actually, but she says, uh, you know, you have to understand how something's built to tear it down and how the Waynes are part of the problem of Gotham. They're a part oh. of the failure of Gotham, so... So I'm I'm remembering from a, a solicit talking about a fam- familial relationship to the Orgums. So I'm wondering if there's some deep down that the Waynes are tied to them. Um, I can definitely see that being possible, given that they've got these deeds from however long ago, like early yeah. Gotham days, by the sounds yeah. of it. Uh, you know, you know they're like some early families. Yeah, like the Waynes maybe married into them at one point down the line and so this is like you know a, a distant cousin you know coming to, to state claim which is again that's a very gothic trope too right i mean i'm i'm willing to connor connor's much more the literary oh yeah it, it's uh it's you usually know. with the inheritance yeah, yeah so uh, hey you know, this person died and, you know mm-hmm. i don't really know them but there's a just enough yeah. of a connection that's plausible yeah so i feel like that's what it's kind of leaning into with the you know the lady with the multiple pupils you know, saying that about the Wayans, which I'm still waiting for someone to address this in story. Like, if you look at a lady and she has multiple pupils in her eyes, I'm waiting for someone to react and no one has. Yeah, even in Gotham, that's weird. Yeah, so I also like that because it, it keeps the story on edge a little bit, at least well, for me. Well, she's bewitching people, right? No one's, no one can Maybe. remember. No one can remember they're seeing it. It's just, it's, it's yeah. like looking into the headlights. She just kind of... Well, it's creating this eerie, yeah, this eeriness to her. And not just the fact she's speaking in like vagaries or vagaries. So yeah, I do um, love that Batman still Batman's out the scene when he's leaving Gordon's mm-hmm. place. Yeah, uh, Gordon's explaining, preparing a drink, mm-hmm. and uh, wow. back to normal. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, but he's he's glad Gordon's back. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, they do address that he was gone for a while, and this is kind of his mm-hmm. return. Um, you know, obviously we're building up some big things here. I think the most interesting thing about this issue, and I really, uh, that's maybe my favorite issue of uh, Ram V's run so far on Detective, because mm-hmm. I love the, okay. the world building that's going on. It really feels like a lot of the pieces are starting to feel in, fall in yeah. place. And uh, all the stuff with Harvey, I think, is super interesting. This idea that, you know, I said it was this great tragedy last issue, the idea mm-hmm. that he may be forced to become Two-Face again. But it's even more tragic this issue where... He's actually just pretending he's Two Face again, but it's still really Harvey who's doing the horrible things. Uh-huh. And t- I do enjoy having the Two Face narration, though. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Two Face is still in there taunting him, uh, but this idea that he he's like keeping up this appearance that he is this awful, you know, version of himself, this Two Face side, um, and he's actually refusing to give up who batman is to a two-face it's like mm-hmm. it's like you've somehow made this more tragic but also made me like respect harvey as a character and like his integrity even more than i did before like mm-hmm. you, like this is the ultimate having your cake and eating it too <laughs> in like every, every way possible as far as the dr- drama of the story goes so you have this really kind of strong internal like strength and struggle going on with Harvey mm-hmm. that I think is a really good heart to the story right now. Um, and obviously it ties into the family because the big dudes mm-hmm. like having him like, you know, prep all of their operations. They're taking over the power plants and they're taking over mm-hmm. factories. Uh, although notably, there's one area in the subway that they can't take over and the big guy says, I'll go and check it out myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and then the big guy, of course, is the werewolf. Uh, at least, well, yeah. he's the werewolf we know about. Like there could be there's, there's always room for more levels. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we do have the scene where Bruce runs into the young prince uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Arzen Argum. Yeah, I said the Arzen's earlier. Arzen's his first name. Yeah. Argum's is the family. That's right, yeah. I, I, I course corrected with calling the Argum's. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, as much as I forget the name every time I go to read an issue, it's to the, the story's credit that I never forget mm-hmm. what they're doing or why they're there. No. It's just yeah, you might blank the name, but once it comes up, you know exactly who it is. Yeah. It's- that that's how I felt watching Game of Thrones back when watching that was I couldn't remember the names, but I knew what they were doing, uh, and then eventually you know you're you're around these characters enough, so uh, but yeah uh, I want to is it Gale is he the yeah he's a big guy yeah, yeah. he's the the werewolf yeah, yeah, yeah I want more about him yeah not so... just because I like werewolves but he seems he seems very familiar with Ra's al Ghul and you know. And that stuff. So I wonder if I mean, there's a tie there too. Yeah, in general, they all seem to be. Familiar. I mean, that's why this, the League of Assassins were going after them. They tried to yeah. kill them in their arrival because mm-hmm. uh, they yeah, see them as a big like, bad deal. Pete, you mentioned this was your favorite issue. Mine was uh, the one with the the story, you know, of uh, the the stuff in the past and not in the yeah. desert. Uh, that that stuff was great. With with the demon that you know yeah. got placed in there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the investigation sort of continues where. Uh, the assassins did. I always forget his name, but the the one who was fighting mm-hmm. Batman last couple of issues, uh, mm-hmm. he turns up dead. Someone killed him, and Gardens. Uh, there you go. Gardens figured out that well, whoever it is is behind around an old power plant. So Batman's checking out this place, which just happens to be also where uh, Gale is looking for like what's what's causing trouble with the mm-hmm. guys that have been sent in from Two Face and. Gordon also acknowledges, and Batman is aware that you know someone is sending people down here. They don't know if it's you know we know it's Two Faces men, but right. you know, like it could be the Maroni's men, it could be whoever's men. Uh, they know there's something going on, um, but we get this great reveal where Batman just says it's cold, and then the next page is a uh, Two, uh, sorry, Two Face, uh, Mister Freeze, uh-huh. talking to Gale, and that that's you know that's where the men went. Is that Mister Freeze is down here, and obviously he he's not easily taken out, uh, but. Yeah. A great two-page spread uh, with Batman kind of joining this fight just after Gale's turned into the werewolf uh, with all this mm-hmm. other the snow and the frost around them. Uh, really enjoyed the action of these couple of pages. Um, yeah. And then the cliffhanger is uh, Freeze sets off a freeze bomb. So Batman's frozen, and that's the to-be-continued at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's a pretty traditional cliffhanger uh, for this run. has been doing some you know different stylistic things so far but this this is a pretty traditional like hey look he's frozen yeah i think i like the issue because it has i, I really like what they're doing with harvey because i really like the harvey stuff last issue as well yeah. and it's really given me that sense of tragedy with the character but i also like the general sense of world building it feels like garden's a proper supporting character in this story again um mm-hmm. as well obviously as harvey but then you've also got this group of villains who have different elements to them you've got the big guy who's a werewolf you've got the actual ancestry of them and like how they how they basically became the Arkhams, or at least one branch of them became the Arkhams. Um, and you got all this stuff at play. So, you know, it's, it still kind of very much feels like we're, like Gotham's a character in the sense that it's all about taking over the city and about, you know, the the, the, the grasp of control. And um, I think early on, you, uh, you know, it, it, like it's not actually a news report, it's just Gordon telling Batman, I think. But like, it, you get that feeling of like, this could be Deb Donovan still like, typing up what's happening you know yeah mm. also i like that batman seems familiar with gail because he calls him the wolf of bizarre Jahan. i can't even <laughs> uh, Jahan. <laughs> um and so yeah so just again with the world building there 
is yeah this is a new character but batman is familiar you yeah. know with, with stories at least of that so um and yeah and the demon i couldn't remember the name i had to go back and look but it was the the asthma um so i'm, I'm sure this is gonna play in you know yeah. also to the to the the soul of gotham oh yeah that's the other part of the harvest thing i really like uh <laughs> is the idea that yeah he's got he's got this demon thing inside them that the family's put in that he can't like he can't say out loud what he's actually mm-hmm. thinking or feeling because they'll hear it. So mm-hmm. this internal struggle with the two faced side of him is the only mm-hmm. true privacy he has to actually like sort of say what he's really feeling and say what he's really thinking. And even then, he's not really saying it. We're we're just getting it because of how he's resisting Two Face's voice. Connor's mm-hmm. <laughs> wet, silent again. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a, a a very close goal that just happened. Uh, good save by the yeah. US. <laughs> uh, uh, Skype really does not like Connor today. It does not. Um, but but yeah. yeah. Um, did you read the backup? Because there's a lot more Harvey stuff. Uh, in, no, in I, I did not read the backup. Okay. No. Can you hear me now? Yeah. What was yes. the point you wanted to make? Uh, I was just saying it's it's really effective doing that stuff with Two Face in particular, because obviously uh, most characters in comics can have an internal monologue, mm-hmm. and we could get that point across by having you know, their inner thoughts quite easily with anyone, but doing it with Two-Face with the, the duality of it, is, it just gives it an extra dimension to normal. He's got someone to argue with, effectively, yeah. which is a really interesting way of having that inner fight kind of come out. And um, It's funny, because I'm in Season 5 of Babylon 5 right now, and there's a there's a sort of storyline in that about like an entity that's kind of controlling someone and making them do stuff, mm-hmm. and how the real person's in there and like wants to fight it, but kind of can't, and there's only like sort of small secret ways they can communicate with like people and sort of warn them that something's wrong. So it's really tragic again that, you know, people expect Two Face to be evil again. People expect him to go down the deep end and be this mob boss and be the worst part of himself. And he's actually successfully avoiding it, but it, by all intents and purposes, the world's going to see him as being a criminal again and seeing him being the awful person again. And I, I, I quite like the art, you know, in these pages where, he, like, the two-faced side of his face is all in shadow. It's nothing that original, but, you know, yeah. it's all in shadow until he steps out into the light and you see his face again. Um, it's after, he, you know, he shoots the guy and the smoke from the gun's going up. Um, you know, so it's a nice big, dramatic few pages yeah. of that scene. Yeah, it's definitely making Harvey more relevant than Two-Face again. You know, mm-hmm. for the longest time, it's always been Two Face in the driver's seat, but here it's actively Harvey. Um, and then I like, I like that it seems. I didn't get that. Oh, my watch. <laughs> Ever since I got the update, it listens way more closely. Um, anyway, um, I like that it seems that the Batman er- editorial team are, are taking some of these, you know, rogues in allowing writers to tell these big grand stories because, like, we had that with Poison Ivy last year. Or even in towards this year, and now I feel mm. like Two Face is up to the plate, and yeah. Ramby's doing his his really and, cool inner dialogue stuff like he did in Swamp Thing. So yeah, and I've, I I enjoy different takes on Two Face. You know, I like the the pure evil one that we got in the one bad day, but mm-hmm. the best version of Two Face is always going to be the one where there's the good person in there fighting mm-hmm. for control. It's always and it's so mm-hmm. unique to Two. I mean, it's not unique in in a general media sense because it's very Jekyll and Hyde. But in terms of Batman's mm-hmm. Rose Gallery it's very unique to Two-Face, and yeah. they should play to that because that's what makes him Two-Face, what makes him him. Yeah. Well, that's what makes the coin flip work. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that's, that's what makes the... this so interesting as well, right? Yeah. That it's it's Harvey trying not to be the good person, essentially. Right. Like, he's trying to be well, bad. And it's not just well, yeah, he's but... trying to be bad. I feel like he's playing... There's a reason. 
Yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's, he's not just trying to be... He's, I mean, he's not really trying to be bad. He's pretending no, he's, to be bad because of the thing that's yeah. inside him, controlling him. Because he, of the asthma. Yeah, he has to keep yeah. up appearances yeah. for that. But he's, he's actually trying to withhold what he can so that he's not making things as even worse than he, he's forced to. It is, but having the, the good side be doing the bad things intentionally, you know, mm-hmm. and for reasons. But I think that, that's... It's an extra level that we don't normally have. Well, that's what, I mean, the, the Two-Face narration even says that was you, it just killed him. Like, yeah. you did that, not me. Uh, and that, that's got a lot of weight to it. That's quite, you know, it's, it's a very interesting mm-hmm. element. Uh, did I even read the backup? Yeah, no, I did. Yeah. Thoughts, feelings? Did you? I did not, Connor? no. I'm, I'm waiting for Connor. No, I didn't read it, sorry. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, it gets more into that uh, part of Two-Face, where um, who's actually in control. And earlier in their book, uh, earlier in the, the first part of the book, they talk about Dr. Mead and how he bungled something. And this goes into that. Um, and uh, while he has this Dr. Mead, who's a psychiatrist, um, someone comes in and attacks. And, you know, Harvey's... Uh, it's all Two-Face's narration. Um you know, doing that thing from earlier in the book where he's, you know, kind of goading him and being like, this ain't you. When are you going to let me out to play? You know, I, I this is what I normally do. Uh, someone comes in and attacks, and I'm pretty sure it's the kid from the first set of backups um, who pins Two-Face down and, and, like, brings this thing out of him. Um, and he says, I see you. Uh, and it looks like he's talking to... Two Face, not Harvey, and then peels a scab off of Two Face's face and eats it, and and then we get into you know these inner workings of of Two Face. And let me see who's the artist on this one on the back of. I can't find it, but the art goes from just like typical comic book type stuff to like these big full pages of like we see a split page of you know. It, it's Harvey on one side and it's all very like mechanical in like the, the facial structure. And then on the other side, it's all burned away. It looks like two face, but there's like, I think it's supposed to be the asthma that's in there. It's the, you know, it's representative of these birds. Um, and it's all like, again, it looks very zombie like, but there's the representation of what two face is, is this little like disfigured, person um that is going through uh and is talking to this person that just ate the the scab off of him uh and it goes back to this childhood incident that you know was maybe the first trauma that led to the two-faced persona where um i guess harvey came from a real hard upbringing his dad you know put hands on him and his mom um and so he would escape by going to the movies and he went to go see uh charlton heston's in the savage which i'm not familiar with this movie pete are you i've heard of it never seen it okay um connor have you what was the movie called the savage charlton heston no i've never seen it okay apparently uh it it did a number on him and he he left because um uh he couldn't take what was going on in the movie uh and these kids hold him down and cut his face um and they keep they start calling him a crybaby. So he grabs a brick and you know decides he's gonna to fix things. And this is the first like occurrence of Two Face. 
Um, at the end of this, Two Face wakes up, or Harvey uh, wakes up by is woken up by Two Face, um, and he's like, "Hey, we got to talk. Um, there, there's stuff going on here. Mead got away, um, and that uh, Two Face, the little representation of him inside, is in the Harvey side now, holding a brick." Basically, meaning like he's he's gonna get control sooner or later, um, and yeah, it was uh, uh, the artist was Hayden Sherman. So a lot of fun stuff going on in here because as as we get deeper into Two Face uh, and Harvey, um, the more like the stories told in like these framings as it goes down his body. So it starts at the head, and then as it goes down, you see like the trauma happening is like in his heart region and his chest and. Um, you know, when, when he decides to hit the kids with the brick, it's down in his gut. So a lot of cool multi-level storytelling going on. But yeah, it really, this backup, like kind of like the last ones, which and I feel like I have to go back and read the Gordon ones that I skipped out on, um, are really informing uh, what's going on in the main story, which is cool because it's not, like, usually when stuff like that happens, it's because the same writer is doing them and they just feel like an addendum. But this is Cy Spurrier. Um, I think. Hold on, let me double check. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a size barrier. Um, who I guess just has a really good communication with with Ram B, because again, this reinforced the the two face stuff that happened in in the main title. So, but yeah, definitely recommend it. If you guys have time to go back and read it, it's a real fun two story two face story. Yeah. All right. What are we all rating at Detective Comics then, Connor? Uh, I think it's a straight eight from me. Matt. 8.5. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Matt, I think, an 8.5. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Action Comics 1049, Philip K. Johnson writing with Mike Perkins on the art. Uh, obviously, we had the 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 new gods showing up at the zoo uh, last mm-hmm. issue. And we also had, obviously, Lex uh, further manipulating and interfering with Metallo to get him... Uh, into the fight, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see that's kind of where we start with this issue, is that when Metallo's sister didn't show up to visit, it's not just that she was held back. Lex literally had her frame for murder, uh, as he explains to her. Uh, or explains to him, sorry, uh, yep. in this opening scene. And that maybe she'll get a lenient judge if Metallo does what Lex wants him to. This was never a request. He's, you know, this is full-on like, evil, evil Lex. I'm... I'm so glad to have this evil, manipulative Lex back. Uh, really give him his teeth back. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, it's super malicious. Um, and I think it works, you know, just to skip ahead to the other scene with Metallo later, uh, where, like, part of me was thinking, you didn't really have to kill the guard, did you? But the way he feels bad, he's like, wait, I like this guard. Yeah. I was hoping you weren't working tonight. But uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and then, like, you know... As much as I'm like, you can I just knocked him out? <laughs> but... Yeah, but I think that it drives the tragedy more just because he's either a hundred percent in or or not, right? So him him escaping like that, you know, is justified by so him it killing. Maybe raise some questions if he escaped yeah. and didn't kill someone. It right. might raise questions as to why is he acting out of character and mm-hmm. what's going on, and maybe start you know the, that starts them looking closer and sees the link with luther do you know what i think i like is i think you can make some obvious parallels here with two-face and detective right now but what i like mm-hmm. in terms of the differences is that while this is also someone being forced to do something they don't really want to do by a villain to be villainous mm-hmm. i think it feels very different to two-face in that 
With Two-Face, there's this very kind of, like, good side to him, right? You get the Harvey mm-hmm. Dent side, and it's this Jekyll and Hyde thing, and, like, there's a real genuine good person. I feel like Metallo, on the other hand, just feels like this sad guy who's like, you know what, I'm tired of being the bad guy, I just don't want to do it anymore. I, you know, it's not this grand thing. It's a lot more It's a lot more depressing and sad yeah. than, than the Harvey well, stuff. At, at the end of the day, Harvey Dent was still, you know, the prosecutor, the district attorney. He still has that side of him that wants to change things, and it seems like Metallo here has just given up. You know? It's like, yeah, he might have been like an, a, a high-ranking army guy, but he has nothing else left. He's basically a brain in a shell. Uh, and he just, you know, he even tries when Luther first comes to him, doesn't he try to kill himself by disconnecting? He does, yeah. He tries and that's to kill where himself. he tells him about his brother where he's, or his sister. And he's like, I, you know, I wouldn't do that. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, because um, Lex is like, basically, any the body he's given him has given himself a way to like project himself mm-hmm. and talk to him, and he like Metallo can't get away from it unless he yeah. kills himself. That's that's kind of where we're at yeah. with it, um, and that's all, you know, pretty sinister in and of itself. But there's just there's something so sad and kind of pathetic about Metallo mm-hmm. in, in a sort of sympathetic way where he just wants to be left alone. He doesn't want to do anything bad anymore. He does, you know, he doesn't have some. He doesn't want to do anything good either. But he just he doesn't want to continue mm-hmm. he's done so yeah really really sad stuff uh, and now you've got the you know superman with the new gods superman's like i'm more powerful than i was before because of the, the new white star oh, yeah. yeah all that stuff um perkins arts uh pretty damn solid it, really moody. yeah it, it, controversial I, I don't think i like perkins on this book so the first couple pages they seemed a lot i don't say messier because they're not messy but just Perkins' style didn't seem to. But the more the issue went with that stuff, it the more it fit in. So like the dark, as rid of the sounds, the darker parts of it didn't work for me as well as the stuff like at the zoo, and with Superman, um, and the New Gods. <laughs> we can't hear you again. <laughs> And I really like dart in the book. Uh, yeah. there, there is a, a little. I mean, Perkins naturally has a little bit of a a messiness at times. There's a couple of yeah. panels in the action stuff where you know someone's throwing a punch and the angle or the body proportions are a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. But no, generally speaking, I quite like them on this book. It's not as perfect a fit as Swamp Thing, obviously, but I no. I actually still quite like it. See, what I was saying is, I'm assuming you can hear me now. Yes. Um, I think he's fine on the Metallo stuff. And I think the War World stuff is okay as well. But the stuff just in the daylight on Earth, I think really doesn't suit his style very much at all. Um, and again, it's not that I think Perkins is bad. I just don't think this yeah. is the right... It just, it just doesn't for match for you, which I I get. I I happen to like it, so I can't... You know, I like the stuff with Bibbo and, you know, going into the, you know, area and helping people. Just the way that that's yeah, but- drawn with the shadows and stuff. Yeah, with I think the, it works with out the kids. really well. You know, the kids mm-hmm. are using their powers to help. Yeah. Um, and when they try and take the boy, because he's got the uh, the Ogle Run or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, basically, like his power starts to erupt, and Superman has to calm him down and basically explain to him that you're still you. You can get a control of this, but I'm going to have to like sort of help you teach you know teach you that, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll get a control of it together, kind of thing. But it's like, yeah, new gods, even if you wanted to take him, clearly the boy can just erupt with power and like yeah. you couldn't anyways, so there's no point. And there's kind of like an ominous threat here from uh, Orion where he's like, well, if we can't take him, then we're going to have to figure out a way to separate the power from him. And if that, if that kills, kills him, him... Oh, well. 
This is yeah. on you, Superman. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I pointed this out last time. The idea that both sides of the new gods are working together to get the fire of Algren out of this kid is is pretty ominous, right? Yeah. Like it's not often you see Orion and Calabac actually working on the same side. Yeah. Um. So, it sells it as a big deal having those yeah, two sides yeah. work together. Uh, so, uh, and also I just I'm gonna put up some flowers for for Bibbo for this guy who is just a guy that runs a bar in a bad part of Metropolis. Him facing down these new gods and backing up Superman. So Superman's you know standing there with the kids, and Bibbo is in the let's do this pose. I I just I love that so much. Mm. Like there's Bibbo's not saying anything. It's just the way that Perkins draws him. With, with the posture, you know, that this normal dude is willing to face down new gods to help Superman. Yeah. I need more Bibbo. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so uh, the big thing as well, which is sort of like the ongoing story, is that Superman goes up to Warworld and effectively says goodbye because they're all being shipped off to their home worlds mm -hmm. uh, where possible. And effectively says, you have a right to bear the crest of L because you all wore it when it is a sort of, a, you know, in a hopeful act of mm -hmm. defiance about, you know, fighting back against Warworld. Uh, you have a right to that symbol and believing in it as much as I do. So he sort of burns it into all of their, their clothes and armor and stuff. Um, so it's kind of a sad goodbye. And there's a glorious page of like War World leaving because uh, you see it mm -hmm. next to Earth. And it's, it's all very, you know, very stylistic art. It's just very sort of blotchy and painty. It's really pretty though. The way it's that... a little bit surreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost like there's this cloud around War World that is just sort of like starts to clear once it's gone. Yeah. Uh, so it's very good. And then you get the scene with Metallo leaving and escaping. Yeah. Um, and the big cliffhanger scene is that Manchester Black was uh, snitching for Lex. And once again, when Lex says he's got one more thing he wants him to do, Manchester Black says he's not interested. And Lex just laughs because people don't get to not be interested in what Lex wants. And he mm -hmm. knocks him out with the press of a button. He screams in pain, he goes down, him. and he's yeah. like, you'll do yeah. whatever the hell I want you to. So, someone's been taking some notes from Waller. Yep. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, and then and Manchester Black mentions too that he got him an orphan box. He got uh, uh, Lex, an orphan box, and one of the uh, unmade. Um, which I'm sure Lex is going to do completely ethical things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, but yeah. Uh, Honestly, one of my favorite panels of the whole book it might be the panel where uh, Lex says interested with a smirk on his face before mm -hmm. he starts laughing. Mm -hmm. I think that panel's great. Mm -hmm. uh, it just really gives you who Lex is in, in an instant. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, and then the backup, which is still Johnson, uh, it's wrapping up um, you know, this stuff with Chaitl, trying to get his revenge. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a bit of a fight. Uh, ultimately, Thela kind of you know, beats him yeah. by taking it part of his, you know, his, uh, his tech, uh, which makes his monster falter. Um, and we see them sort of at the end of the book, so she's got like her new outfit on. It's got the Superman S on it and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, looks pretty cool. Uh, there's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end with someone coming to like mm -hmm. rescue Chetel. Um, yeah. Does anyone know who this is? Exactly. Yeah, that's the guy that killed Mongol. I forget his name though. But he was the war world that betrayed Superman. Oh, this is the uh, the Kryptonian. Yeah. The, oh, okay. The the one guy, yeah, and it's and that's how he appeals to Chadel is that he goes, you know, you you were with the Mongol who was, and he spoke highly of you, so why don't you come with me? Um, 
Honestly, what, what, like, because yeah. oh, you get one panel of him, and uh, you know, yeah. I didn't recognize him because he's just, he's just, a, he's got a beard and an eye patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's who. That's. Who I mean, it's a good, yeah. It's, just, it's probably yeah. the best guess I could think of. Um, but but what I like it about this story is even though this this backup seemed to wrap up very very quickly. Yeah. Um, the other one, like the other parts of this one, felt like you know proper. This this moved really quickly. Um. But they were talking about how, like, Chadle is, you know, this threat because of his reputation on Warworld. And that uh, when, when Thal Law is looking at him in, in the jail cell, because she spares him, because that's what Superman would do. You know, and that, you know, Chadle also is kind of, you know, begging to be killed because he wants to die in battle. Um, that, that, you know, they can't take the chains off of him, you know, because it, it's inhumane and he'll scream and whatever. Yet he's now going to be carrying these chains to wherever he's going, and it's almost like this this sinister thing of you know Warworld might be gone, Mogul might be dead, but it's the, that that negative part of that culture still survives, um, and it's it's part of the thing that comes with Superman, right? Is the you know you you do what's right that always leaves you open to those that you know will exploit that. Yeah, um, I mean this is obviously setting up for something later on in the run. Johnson <laughs> knows what he's doing here. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say this backup, this part of it specifically was that eventful. It, it, like you say, it went in really quick. Uh, yeah. The art's not as good as the main book, obviously, and mm-hmm. it all basically boils down to Chaitel still in play for later. Yeah, you know that that's ultimately mm-hmm. uh, what it does. So it's it's a little bit superfluous, I felt, but uh, mm-hmm. that one key plot point is obviously going to be relevant later. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been reading the backup. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because I, I looked at it, I saw it was Johnson writing, I thought, yeah, maybe I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I looked at the art in the, the first part, and I was just like, I'm not, I, that's not for me. You get whiplash, you do get whiplash going yeah. from the, the main art to yeah. back up. It'll happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did really like the art in the main book, though. I, I think the, mm-hmm. the, the run's uh, still as strong as it ever has been. Uh, it's, it's doing a lot of interesting things and setting up this new status quo with the kids yeah. and I think this build to a sympathetic villain in Metallo with Lex being super evil and having Johnson write super evil Lex yeah. is really interesting. So, For sure. Yeah. All right. What are we yeah. giving it? Connor? Um, I'm going to go with another eight, I think. Matt? 8.5. I'll probably say with Connor on this and go with a straight eight. Uh, I, I really like some of the individual scenes in it, um, but I don't necessarily think it's as strong as a whole. Uh, as Detective was this month. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. There you go. Uh, Dark Crisis, The Dark Army, Issue 1. Mark Wade, Dennis Culver, and Delilah S. Dawson writing. Uh, I'll tell you who they are in a second, because there's a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a, a one-shot tying in, obviously, to Dark Crisis, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of, obviously, the big battle kind of wrapped up in the main book this month as well. So this, mm-hmm. this kind of like spirals out from while that was still going on and is going yeah. to come back into play in the next issue and the next mm-hmm. uh, tie-in issue. Uh, so this is interesting because we have kind of Robin building a little team to go and do something that will help yeah. in the overall fight. Uh, yeah. And we have uh, on art, we have Freddie Williams II. Uh, we have Jack Herbert. Um, was it just those two? I'm surprised. I thought it was more than that. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. the art's really all over the place in this one. It really is. Uh, um, it's kind of it's, it's kind of a funny one because like 
I actually really like parts of this issue, and it tended to be because I liked the... I like Damien being Damien and like forming mm-hmm. this team of misfits, which includes Sideways and yeah. uh, Red Canary. So them yeah. like interacting for the first time, and there was a lot of just interpersonal stuff that I really enjoyed getting a glimpse of. Um, yeah. The actual goal and what they were doing, which was going to this other Earth, and they were at the Tuning Fork, and then uh, yeah. they're just like incarnate show up, controlled by the darkness, and then ultimately they're able to, you know, Doctor Light's able to break like break free. them out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt like we didn't really accomplish much by the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, I, it... I, yeah. So, like, this is definitely one of those cases where this is a you know tie-in to tell a part of the story that I don't know if we necessarily needed. Like the the last one that we got when they went into the green and they used the green to jump multiverses and whatever. Mm-hmm. I liked that, and I felt like I had a better understanding of of you know Dark Crisis after reading that. This just kind of felt like a mixed bag because I'm still like, like I know what Robin was trying to do, but I still don't know if you know, maybe Robin was the best character to to be leading a multiversal thing like this, you know. Well, the the funny thing is, is the only reason why I enjoyed this was the characters intermingling. So mm-hmm. if you take out Damien, yeah. then you take out what I like. About, like I I think what's interesting to compare yeah. it to that that Green Hell one mm-hmm. is that. I think that had a better concept, but I don't think mm-hmm. I enjoyed reading it as much as this, just because I enjoyed the banter mm-hmm. more. Uh, yeah. But both of them, I think, ultimately, I felt a little underwhelmed by, and felt like, mm-hmm. especially since the Green Hell one, like, ended up having the MacGuffin that let them win mm-hmm. the fight with Pariah in issue six. That felt really weird to me, because it's like, and if you didn't read that one shot, then this thing just came out of nowhere, basically. Uh, yeah. And that's a little frustrating, I think. Um but like I say, like Damien and Red Canary and Sideways all intermingling, and then you get Power Girl and Doctor Light kind of as the mm-hmm. sort of more veteran characters, I guess. Yeah, the adults in the room. Yeah, um, you know, like Damien... I did like having Sideways back. Oh yeah, sure, I enjoyed yeah. that, and I enjoyed Damien being insufferable. The art is very inconsistent, though, with how tall they draw Damien in this issue. Sometimes it was like, you know, like, and the most yep. funny is that in the first page it actually says in the narration, "I'm five foot four. And as the yeah. issue goes on, sometimes it felt like he was just the same height as the others, and then sometimes it felt like he, he was drawn more like a kid again. Yeah. He he looked like he was being drawn as uh, Dick Grayson. With, sometimes, in, in yeah. In old Robin suit. Yeah, it's, so. it, but, it, it, but it's not consistent, though, because there's some pages where, no. like, uh, there's a page in the middle that I'm looking at right now where he does look like he's, like, 12 again. Like, he looks that height, yeah. he looks that young, but then sometimes you'll yeah. stand next to the other characters and he looks like he's, you know, 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Right. Very inconsistent in in that sense. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I do love the Red Canary back and forth uh, with Damien, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And like I said, I like Sideways being back through there. But yeah, I like it was was a fine issue. Like there's nothing, I don't think, great or, you know, about it. There's not not a lot of the events that I actually want to talk about. It's mostly just them fighting... Like they they go to like the Earth where it was all apes, and they make some mm-hmm. jokes about that, and like why are they all gone? This is what's going to happen to our mm-hmm. Earth if we don't fix all this. And when they go to the next place, and they're you know they're just like, just as like incarnate like show up to fight them because they're all being you know there's yeah. some fun stuff there with like Captain Carrot trying to eat one of them and right uh, blah blah blah. But when they bring them all back, um, and Doctor Light's been kind of like souped up by the the because they're on like uh the monitors. Uh, yeah, thing. and I guess that ties back into Crisis on Infinite Earths mm-hmm. with the Monitor choosing Doctor Light specifically. Um, 
And so, yeah, they use the monitor device or whatever it is. But uh, Dr. Multiverse, or whatever her name is, I forget, yeah. uh, she looks at our team from this this book and sort of sees all the different versions of them inside yeah. them, because that's kind of her power. Right. And we see, like, Damien looking like he does in Batman versus Robin. There's an editor's note saying, hey, to check mm-hmm. out more about what she saw in Damien, go I, look at that. Yeah, I do love that's all she sees, though. Like, if you look in when she looks at Power Girl, right? There's yeah, all these yeah. different versions that we've seen. You know, they're like the corporate Titan version and then just the Supergirl version and stuff. Um, and then who's the other character they, they look at? Um, oh, so the whole team. So you see uh, Sideways, yeah. you see Red Canary, you see Dr. Light, and yeah. you see all the different versions of them. But Damien's always going to be <laughs> this it's, Damien. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, you know, the Damien and uh, Pizza and Batman versus Robin. So I find that funny. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, that's that's all I got for, for this one. I mean, you know, I'm I'm excited to see more Red Canary. Probably, mm-hmm. I, I imagine in the new Green Arrow book when it launches, mm-hmm. I would expect. But at least, at least in because I got ads for Lazarus Planet, mm. and uh, Red Canary seems to be yeah, she's showcased that. there. That's true, yeah. So we'll see. So hopefully, we get some some more of this banter. So yeah, it's um, kind of interesting that someone remembered Sideways exists though. Yeah. I'm I'm telling you, Mark Wade, you know, for for him being gone from DC for a while, he's really, you know, playing within the bounds of of what's been going on really, really well. So Yeah, Joe is so weird about this though, is that I don't understand why it's multiple writers because it's just one it's not it's not an anthology, it's yeah. just one story. But Mark Wade literally wrote pages one to six and then thirty seventy forty. He wrote the start right. and the end. And I don't feel like it it doesn't feel like a bookend to me where it's natural for it to go back to the same writer again. Like, I don't understand how it gets split up and I don't really understand. Yeah. You know, so it's very much like they are. It's very inconsistent. Yeah. Because sure. it's different U- people. Usually in those circumstances, it is they collectively plotted it and then just divvied out the pages for individual scripting. Yeah. Uh, amongst themselves just to, you know, for, for time reasons, usually. Yeah. So the point I'm making, though, is that while Mark Wade's name's on it, and I appreciate there's some touches from him in here, it doesn't really feel like a Mark Wade comic overall, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's been farmed out to multiple people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So, like I say, they are very inconsistent. I mean, what are you giving him that? Uh, I'm going to give this a seven. Well, I think I'll go more with a six. It's, it's perfectly yeah, readable. Yeah. There's some nice character beats, but or not even beats, just character dialogue more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't really go any higher than that. It's it's kind of just a an essential tie-in would be how I'd describe it. Yeah. So there you go. DC versus Vampires issue eleven. James Tay in the fourth. Matthew Rosenberg writing with Otto Schmidt on the art. So this is the penultimate issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things I've been saying for the last few. Is I do think the back half of this book's been a little weaker on the first half, just because it kind of feels like they set up these three different missions for groups of characters to do, and we've just been doing them for what feels like four issues at this point. Yeah, it feels like each issue, there's not really enough of any one of them. Yeah. I felt like maybe they needed to dedicate like two-thirds of an issue to one, and yeah. have one as a B-plot and like rotate through them instead of getting I a agree. few pages from each. I agree. It's been felt very formulaic, uh, this back half as a result. Um, and that's it. I actually like a lot of the things that are in this issue, and that's been true of all the issues, really. It's just that none of them of this back half, whereas the first half, like, you know, this this book, unless the last issue really blows me away, 
I don't think this book is ever going to top that that issue five or six that revealed Dick Grayson was the villain. Like that was yeah. like such a you know the mystery building up to that was such a good way of telling the story. It feels like two different series that they're just making one. It had like a lot of focus in the first half though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Here you know you've got all the fighting going on. I I do think there's a, at least a sense of culmination here though, where all this fighting's going on in Gotham with Babs and the group in Gotham. Well, like they're trying to get Kara, because you know, the big cliffhanger of this issue is: did, did Kara get enough of the sun to survive the explosion and like be repowered mm-hmm. and come back down? You know, to be able to help in the big fight. You know, that's kind of your, and you know that works as a cliffhanger. You know, mm-hmm. no, normally you'd say yes, obviously, but you know, it, it's it's the final issue in a Elseworlds essentially. You, I mean, go it's all about it. hope, right? So yeah, I feel like if if the writers really want to steal hope from us then Supergirl doesn't make it, and Babs is literally on her own. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's more likely she is, because it's it's the more typical story beat to play at this point, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows, yeah, like, there's a a lot of options. Uh, Obviously, they have to sneak on there, and, you know, uh, Jaina has to, like, pretend Kara's with them, but she's really just, like, a water puppet. (laughs) I I do like that. I do like that Jaina's learning new things at the power. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, also, Lobo did not annoy me. Usually Lobo is one of those characters that just annoys the piss out of me. Um, <laughs> here, I felt he was handled very well because he's just like, oh, okay, you know, they, they pay me to keep watch on this stuff because it's just easier that way. But if you want me to look the other way, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then he gets there and he's like, oh, yeah, they paid me more money. Um, <laughs> they're, they're up to something. And it was just, it was just real funny with how quick that all yeah. went. It's very Lobo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you got Swamp Thing with Green Arrow. There's some more jokes about pissing on him. Uh, there's not really much to that plot, though. It is really just a couple mm-hmm. pages uh, in I, this I, one. Yeah, I do like some of the... Up. Yeah, the, the dialogue there I do like where Green Arrow is like, you know, um, do we have any, like, fighters? And Cole is like, yeah, I mean, we have these are librarians and farmers. And Green Arrow does one of his... Yeah, but you see, those those are the people with art. And Cole just looks at him and like, yeah, no, like, sure, I knew you were going to say that, but, like, I don't think they're going to stand a chance in the <laughs> vampires. Like, yeah. it was just very, you know. And there's some fun uh, action when the people in Gotham show up to help uh, Babs mm-hmm. and Cole, who, you know, the ones who are still sort of in there running around yeah. trying to help. Uh, there's a sort of fun action sequence where they're driving towards, like, a trap where they've got some of the UV light and a bat signal, and like Damien's having to duck behind uh and there's some jokes here as well about how the people who show up in the bikes like one's like oh i i got the vampire and then the one with frankie says like i got a zombie i think that's cast who says that means yeah. a zombie he's like i'm not a zombie i'm a reanimated corpse yeah. <laughs> that's pretty zombie <laughs> frankenstein yeah. yeah uh i will say though all schmidt's art obviously is pretty good by and yeah. large it really fits there is one really dodgy face it's actually just after it's on the page where the bike's jumping the ramp uh at the signal trap um and it's the give him hell back girl which i, I don't even know who they're saying that to be honest mm-hmm. uh but the face looks really flat in a way that Schmidt's art doesn't normally look. So it's just, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's just a bit of a slight rushing to keep on schedule or whatever, but it just looks really weird and flat to me. Uh, but, you know, uh, they encounter some resistance, so the fight's going on, and the big cliff fires. Kara, it looks like the ship's just going above the clouds, but then you see the big yeah. last page is the explosion, and it's like, was it enough? Was that yeah. few seconds of sun enough to... You know, supercharger. We'll see. Uh, yeah. 
gut instinct, like I said, is is yes, because it's the obvious beat, but you never know. Yeah. yeah, I suspect, you know, we'll see them struggling in Gotham next issue, and then Carol come in for the big save, and... But, yeah. it'll, it'll, but it'll be Babs and Dick one-on-one, you'd assume, in the yeah. final fight. That'll be the final yeah, has beat. To be. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which would be, you know, possibly good. I, just, I still just wish they were a little bit more... The, the the writing team we're a little bit more clear what the vampire rules are in this one you know just because like so if if they kill dick do all of the other vampires die too do they get transformed back to to you know i don't get humans? transformed back but yeah i think the idea if you take out the king then it's easy to deal with yeah. the rest of them maybe i i think yeah. you know it's funny this issue does kind of do what we and connor were just saying at the start of this which is you know m- not doing even amounts of each of the mm-hmm. three stories so that mm-hmm. it feels like they can focus on something. This one kind of does that because it does actually diminish the Swamp Thing and Green Arrow yeah. story enough to make the other two feel like they've got a bit more to them. So mm-hmm. this is probably the best issue out of the last, like, four or five. So... It's just too little too late at this point in the yeah. series overall. It's yeah. still a fun little side jaunt in the Yeah, DC like, I'm still enjoying scale, reading so... it. It's still always a quick read, yeah. but it's just... Yeah, and it's... it's Schmidt's art helps. Yeah, yeah. it always looks but pretty great. It definitely felt more special in the first half, though. And it definitely yeah. crescendoed to that reveal of Dick Racing, like, so well. that this yeah. back half feels just... It's just all right. It's a bit of fun in comparison. Uh, yeah. So, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's just down to how they've structured it with the, the three stories getting equal time, mm-hmm. roughly, per issue. It just... It, Every single time, it's just felt like none of them have moved enough ahead, rather than letting yeah. one really move ahead. And you know, as we're saying, so. Uh, but yeah, all right. What are we rating this one, Matt? What are you giving it? I'm giving this a seven point five. Connor, um, I'm probably going to go closer to a seven. I think it's still pretty good. Art's nice, but it's just a bit too inconsistent overall. Still. Yeah, I'm going to go with a seven as well. I think it's good fun, but it's not as special as it was in the first half, and I think. That repetition of this back half has is, is definitely reared its head a little bit. So, yeah, cool. The Human Target, issue 9. Tom King writing with Greg Smallwood on the art. Uh, definitely the main event. I think going to this week for me. Probably yep. Matt too, I imagine. Yep, yep, yep. So I saved for last this week. So the premise yeah. of this issue... Uh, oh, oh, all on the fantastic start where he technically dies and Ice has to uh-huh. revive him. And the art here is great because it's just her waking up and looking up at him. And then mm-hmm. just pages of silent art of her like checking his breath and then trying to give him resuscitation mm-hmm. mouth to mouth. So just beautiful stuff. There's there's not a lot of dialogue in this one. Like we get to the end and there's a, there's a bit, but there's a lot of storytelling being done with bare panels. So uh, especially that, that that first like five pages is almost yeah. all silent. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of and narration after that, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, that first five pages is just all but silent. Yeah, it's so so well handled. You know exactly what's going on in Isis' head. Yeah. Uh, and then even when we start getting to the, the dialogue and the narration and him being revived by Dr. Midnight, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it keeps going because it is kind of it's one of those things that they would talk about Ernest Hemingway's writing. It's what he's not saying. That's all through this whole issue. Oh, for sure. It, uh, so, so the premise of this issue, once he gets resuscitated, uh, is that he's clearly concerned that Batman's going to come for him. And that's all he's got in his head the entire issue. So no matter what he says to him, no matter what they're doing, where they're going, he's just always thinking about where's Batman coming from? How is he coming after me? When is he coming after me? Uh, you know, he's next. He has to be, he has to be next. 
And there's a great bit of the art here, actually. Uh, when he wakes up and Ace like holds up his flask and says, "Don't worry, uh, uh-huh. I brought this." Th- th- this panel said so much to me. This idea that she's enabling him, right? Yep. The way she's only sort of half in the panel with her face feels like, even though she's smelling, it feels very like mischievous. It's sin- yeah, it's sinister. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's. Well, even even when you get the first page and um, he's laying in the bed and the shadow goes over him. And like I'm like, oh, I know Batman's coming, right? It's kind of teased on the, and and it's no, it's it's ice. That's like the shadow that's looming over him, mm. you know. And then that continues into the what panel you're talking about with yeah. the. Yeah, obviously yeah. her frustration in this issue is that he's not telling her why they're driving in the desert or uh-huh. where they're going. He's just running. And again, there's just this great panel. It's, it's like mm-hmm. it's when we skip to them in the car, the second page of that, where mm-hmm. she's looking over at him, like they just the expression on her face as she's like. Yep. Like, I mean, I'm going to talk about the fact that you technically died this morning. <laughs> or are we just driving? Um, yeah. So, and all he's thinking the entire time is, Batman's coming. Oh, it's him. Yeah, they, go to, they go to a diner. Oh, that's yeah. him in disguise. He's at, he's at the diner. And he, he goes up and talks to this guy and ends up getting punched and well, punching back and knocking this guy out. What I like is like, yeah, that's him. I know it's him. The way that he's sitting, he's just missing the match, but the glasses are a dead giveaway. And it's not him. Right? It's, so just, he, it's just some no, dude. <laughs> he thinks it's matches Malone, so he does this whole thing, and there's an homage to the Guy Gardner one punch, where, you know, the the who he thinks is matches Malone hits him first. He absorbs it, <laughs> absorbs it, knocks him out with one punch, and then realizes that it's not Batman because the punch didn't hurt, um, which was a, a real fun, you know. And what's great about this issue, too, is like, it's a tonal shift from what we've seen with Christopher chance, right? Is this guy is so confident and competent and he's always in control of the situation. And here for the first time, like for, through the, in, in nine issues, he's almost like this paranoid maniac. Oh yeah. Like, um, and what's so great about it is that it all builds up to his final realization at the end, mm-hmm. which is the perfect like payoff to like all of this mm-hmm. paranoia. You know, he, 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 so he punches this guy out Ace has to apologize and pay for like the mm-hmm. coffee. Like you know, they they, they they go. There's all these close-ups of the eyes. He eventually swerves the car off the road, and they actually end up walking through the desert. And she's trying to talk to him repeatedly throughout this, and he just doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and is shockingly not that mad at him, despite like mm-hmm. what he's doing and what he's up to. Um. But again, they kind of bond. You know, there's a moment where she says, "I'm kind of afraid of afraid of what I could be." He's like, "Yeah, I'm kind of afraid of you too." And they're having this heart to heart. She builds an ice house mm-hmm. in the middle of the desert for them to stay in uh, overnight, and they go in. And she, she's asking more questions, and you know, he's like, "Like, I've got to like pay attention. I've got to like do this because of what's happened with Guy." Like, there's someone who's better than me and I have to do this. And, like, she asks, who's better than you? And he just kind of deflects again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, look, I just saved your life. You've been lying to me. Because he finally missed this issue that he's dying to her. Right. It's like, so you're dying in four days. Just answer the effing question. And he just turns and says, Batman. Batman's better than me. And she just has this look. And then yeah. the second panel is her going, you know, you know, F or, or whatever she's saying. Uh-huh. You know, behind the censored bubble. I love that reaction because it's like all of a sudden everything he's been doing makes complete uh-huh. sense to her. Yeah. And she didn't think anything could. But no. the idea that Batman's coming for him, oh, and, wait a minute. And, <laughs> and that's why he's so paranoid. He's like, Batman's going to know that we killed Guy Gardner. 
because he'll see through everything. He's like, I'm good, but Batman's better. Yeah, we faked that um, message to convince yeah. people he was still alive, but somewhere else, yeah, Batman's going to see and, through that. And and when they she builds the ice house, he's even talking about, it's like, well, this is good. We'll see him coming from wherever. He can't get the drop on us in the middle of the desert, you know, and he's still so fixated on Batman catching him, you know, um, and then finally he gets some rest. Um, and is this when they have the discussion about their, how they got their names, right? With, uh, yeah, somewhere around here, yeah. Yeah, that, you know, she's like Ice, it's just kind of, it's a, the, you know, a man name. It's kind of what I do, but Chance is like, yeah, but it's kind of nice. You know, it, it's straight to the point. She goes, why are you the human target? And he talks about how he was always the first to volunteer, right? So in this training, whatever this training he went through, you know, when they needed to test anything, he was the first one to volunteer. And I think that's a tell too to the story, right? Mm. Is like he is the human target. And I feel like this isn't going to plan. Not necessarily as part of the plan, but it, it's gonna end up paying off for him. Um, and this is his big gamble now. Because I feel like this now we're in the end game because of, of what is kind of revealed here at the end. Oh, that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and, you know, there's so much good sequential art. We talked I thought about the opening pages, but like you know, even when they're in the ice house and he's sitting down, the, the page that ends with him saying, I love you, and I effed up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, the way he sits down and she looks over and then puts her head on his shoulder. Like, there's so much good sequential art where you just feel the yep. beats of the scene playing out as they're talking. Uh, and then she invites him up to bed. And, like, he's just said he, he loves her to her. And mm-hmm. they're, they're having sex in this ice house that she's made for him. And then the final revelation, which paints a cloud over how genuine ice is being with him, which is something we've been, you know, questioning since yeah. the start like this feels sweet and genuine but is there the chance that she is the femme fatale and that she's somehow behind a lot of this and the realization he comes to is that all issue is like no he's coming batman's coming he's mm-hmm. there he'll come from the sky maybe he'll come from the road if he's in his car yeah. i'll see the car and he keeps like you know he's like we're in a desert we'll see him coming from any direction he'll mm-hmm. have to come up and ring the doorbell we'll know he's coming mm-hmm. and then he finally wakes up after all this at the end in the middle of the night and says no he's not coming and if he's not coming, then why is he not coming? It can only be one reason, is that he saw all this going on and decided that he didn't have to, you know, get involved. And if he's not getting involved, it can only mean one thing, that Guy Gardner's not dead. Yeah. That there wasn't a murder, and that's why Batman's not after me. And the final panel, as he says this, is he's looking over at the sleeping ice, I suggesting see. that if that was a fake death, if this if this wasn't real, then she's involved in it being fake yep she had to have helped fake it and this is yeah so again with him it's like this wasn't part of the plan he was getting played and now in the next three issues we're gonna see how he puts it all together and you know lets her know that he knows um and becomes now he's the real human target right like it's taken nine issues to get to the point where he's the actual human target it wasn't the lex Luthor thing it's gonna be dealing with with ice or whoever else is responsible for this and I, I, I'm um, still excited because I still think that somehow this is going to all turn out to be a play by him because he's the human target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, somehow, some way. Uh, and, you know, part of me also thinks that if we're revealing this at the end of issue nine and there's three issues left, it's still possible that she has real feelings for him. And it still oh, might yeah, turn around yeah. into something sweet. But I don't know. Right. Uh, but the, the obvious read at this point is that her and Guy are setting him up. And yep. that, like this faking Guy's death before he dies is like, she maybe already knew that you know, Chance was dying, and the idea being that he'll stop investigating because he thinks he's he's already killed Guy because Guy was behind it. So he's he's already dealt with the murderer, and therefore 
after Chance dies, Guy can come back out and, you know, no harm right. done. But then I'm thinking he's so good at his job, right? Is that they faked this fake call to, to Rocket Red from an alternate dimension. And and now even Rocket Red believes that's where Guy Gardner is. And now I feel like Ice is going, oh man, are we, are we going to get it? That's what the F's about. Where she lets out that when he thinks that Batman's after him. You know, it's not necessarily that Batman's after him, but she's like, oh man, he's, you know, he's he's farther along in this than we thought. So, um, <laughs> no, I, I kind of read the yeah. F is just a more genuine, like, like not so much that she's genuinely reacting to the Batman line, but more that like if she's playing the character here, yeah. that it, that's just the reaction she thinks she should give. Is yeah, is you sure know. it could be either, but yeah, it's yeah. all it's it's getting very pulpy in the way that I like pulpy where. There's going to be double turns and backstabbing and stuff that we thought we had figured out that there's going to be a thing that we missed. I, just, I think this, along with Rorschach especially, King's done such a good job of like keeping us on the hook for the mystery and like yeah. where the story is going in a way that I think is so compelling issue to issue. And we've had such a great time talking about it issue to issue. Um, yep. And here it's kind of like propping these things in front of us. Like, well, Ace is the obvious. Like, it's a great turn that she's mm-hmm. behind the the the, you know, the poison in some way and yep. whatever. But to, to to hit this point here where he realizes yeah. this, and the same issue that he's told her that he loves her has a bit of a gut punch element to it in a way yeah. that you know I, I find a lot of noir when you actually do it in a movie it feels a bit phony. Where I don't really feel mm-hmm. the romance between the character, but because this right. is a serialized thing over twelve issues, I feel it a lot more. I feel a mm-hmm. lot, and maybe it's because we're hearing his it, inner monologue a lot more. I don't know. Yeah, it feels genuine, especially when we got to that fire issue, and that that was basically a test, and he passed the yeah. test. And you know, I like to think that he's not Batman, where he has a plan for everything. He, but he's very good at thinking on his feet. He, but well, no, I feel I, like I, he, I think he likes to think he's got a plan for everything, like Batman. Yeah. But at the same right. time, acknowledges that he's not as good. <laughs> right. But what I mean is, like, I don't think that. That was him putting a play over on fire. I think he really no, not at all, does no. think he has these feelings for ice, you know, and, and this is where a lot of the issues coming from now. I, mean, I, I think a lot of the, the story with him and ice is, is him early on in the first half, especially mm-hmm. was him trying to resist the feelings because his reaction yeah. to when he, he'd feel something when she'd come back and they'd sleep together or whatever in those early issues, mm-hmm. it was always shit. I feel these things or oh, shit. Like yeah. I've tried to resist the spell, but it's not working. Like right. I'm, I'm, he- I'm in head deep now. Uh, yeah. you know, so, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's man. Again, I, I like Rorschach a lot, but with each issue of human target, this is becoming my favorite Tom King thing ever. I mean, I don't know how to compare them at this point, but like, yes, yeah, you know, danger street, you know? uh, is, you know, it could be right. High, like, high up in the anticipated list now yeah. after all this, I just, and also because we know how familiar Tom King is with Batman, the fact that this entire issue, he writes about Batman, but doesn't mention him until, you know, the back third. Do, 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 like, do, I love that he never shows up, though. I love right. I love that Batman's this specter, like, weighing down yeah. the entire issue, but it's always just in Chansey's head, and he never actually appears. The, but you still feel that Batman presence, though, even though he's not there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Like, and I would like, use a wrestling term. He he sold King used this issue to sell Batman in a way yeah. it's so strong in a way that is so effective despite never having him appear in a single panel. Mm-hmm. That is very effective. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so it put Batman uh, over in a big way. So yeah, very good. Uh, 
Yeah, the, the art is phenomenal. All these sequential yeah. moments in the art, the, the reactions, the glances that Ace has given him, and like that one where she's only half in the panel, which feels kind of like, oh, is that a little sinister? The, the mm-hmm. way she's kind of like almost a devil on his shoulder, like encouraging his bad habits kind of thing. Yeah, there's the stuff there. There's stuff to be said, so. Yeah. All right, what are you giving Human Target issue 9? Uh, 9.5. I agree, 9.5. That's, that's where I'm up with it. It's fantastic. It's better than anything Connor read this week. I'll say that much. No? I, I, I'm not rising to the bait. Okay, you don't have to rise to the bait. Uh, but Connor gets to speak now. Uh, because it's now Tim Drake Robin, issue three, which is written by Megan Fritz-Martin and art by Riley Rosmo. Mm-hmm. So this is a Patreon book, but it's also a new issue. So it's just to, so it's not Connor doing two in a row at the end. Uh, I just I put this before Matt That's talks fair. about another book. So uh, take it away, Connor. Uh, who Rosmo. loves Rosmo? Connor loves Rosmo. <laughs> he has some baffling layout choices in this issue. I, I just do not understand what he's going for. He's done that thing again. I've, I mentioned a few times during Harley Quinn where he has to physically guide you, the, you through the page, like with like prompts. Like in this case, he has um lines connecting to circles like white lines over superimposed on top of the art <clears throat> so you know so to make sure your eye follows in the right direction and i just can't help but feeling if uh if you're needing that so i'm looking in the right order you're doing something wrong just straight up wrong uh it, it's not good enough uh and that's on like the second page of the of the book i think that, that he's got to do that so yeah it, it's not great but the first half of the issue is probably the best this book has been, uh, despite the awful art. Um, but at least the writing, it's the best characterization of Tim so far. It's very much classic Tim in the mold of being Bruce's real successor, as as Batman specifically, uh, in the case of... So he's fighting all these Robins, which is how the, you know, it showed up last time. It's, it's literally uh, clay versions of Dick, Jason, Steph, and Damien. So he's, he's found four of them. And it's it's obviously very clearly not them, but they're mimicking their fighting styles. So it's Tim breaking down, you know, how to be all of his, you know, his, his, his siblings, so to speak. Um, and it's it's very much, you know, Tim as the detective, uh, you know, successor and, and, and being that. And that stuff's... Not bad from a right side of things. Um, it's just rough to watch with the art. Yeah. Um, but that, that's like the first half of the issue. Uh, there's enough. He's, he's in trouble. Um, but he's still as Robin and Bernard shows up. It's like, hey, my boyfriend lives near here in a boat. Let's let's go get you fixed up. So he's like hiding out in his own boat in disguise. And like being like, yeah, I I don't know any of this, and you know he's hearing all things that you know, you know, what he actually thinks about his home. Like, oh, it's a bit of a murder shack, but it's fine. It's got charm. Uh, and uh, you know, he's like, okay, no, I need, I need to put this mystery together uh, and figure out what's going on. And um, and that's basically the end of the issue. Is is, is you know, there's just okay. There's now seemingly going to be a clay version of Tim as well. Uh, thrown into the mix uh, is the cliffhanger. 
uh, alongside all the other Robins. So we'll have to wait and see, you know, how that goes, Tim v. Tim, whether it'll try and mess up any kind of relationships. Because they seem, they, they seem to know things about, despite being like clay manifestations, they do seem to know things about the other Robins. I think uh, at one point, like, Steph mentions like their relationship in the past, stuff like that. Like not not anything explicit and specific references to things, but just more it feels like they have a, a general understanding of Tim's relationship with the other Robins. Uh, but how much of that is just what they've gleaned from casual observation is is hard to say at this point. Uh yeah, I, I think it's definitely the best issue of the book so far. It's the first issue where I didn't feel completely lost. By not having read the previous stuff, um, it's the best characterization of Tim. But oh man, it's probably Rosmo's worst stuff in the book so far with his layouts. I think, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're not great. I still can't recommend this book as a Tim fan. Maybe once Rosmo's off the book, maybe because. It's starting to edge in the right direction from a writing perspective. Um, and this is this is Fitzmartin, right? It is, yes. Yeah, so I don't know if you read the Young Justice uh, tie-in. Uh, I did not. Dark Crisis. There is a lot of Tim and Connor and um, Bart stuff in there that seems like Fitzmartin really enjoys these characters. So I'm not surprised that the Tim feels right. Um just yeah, that, I think that maybe Laura Braga enough... doing the art like they did on yeah, yeah, that would be nice on on that book on the Young Justice one would help here because everything you're saying is like something I'd like to read. The I remember Trosmo and I'm like, yeah, like the first two issues I think were bad from a writing side as well. Yeah, um, I kind of spoke about those where it, it wasn't like poor characterization of Tim, but I don't no, think it was particularly I... strong. It was yeah superfluous it was really focused on that that plot and i just felt really lost having not read the the stuff in urban legends mm -hmm. um this it's finally settling to a groove of being its own book at, at last only uh, in issue three as opposed to being a continuation from that mm -hmm. um which is nice but rosmo so yeah it's Red gonna be times. like a four mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, we're done. <laughs> so I was like, I know, is Pete still there? I yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I gave it a rating. Pete's just not paying attention. That's not my fault. I'm, no, I'm not paying attention Pete, at all. Pete's watching football too. No, I'm not. I'm looking at. Uh, uh, this isn't a game that's going to convert any fans. It's 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 not been great. No, I'm, not, I'm looking at I'm looking at gifts related to video games. <laughs> this game is perfectly mediocre. Yeah, you know, you know how uh, every time like a Sony first party game comes out, like they do a bunch of like memes with the characters from the game. Yeah, actually, I don't. Well, you don't, but Cara does. Uh, well, they did a bunch of for the new God of War, and I was just I was chuckling at them. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, next up, what do we have here? We have Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead issue three. Bruce Campbell writing with Eduardo Rizzo on the art. How's it going, Matt? So, yeah, so this is issue three. Um. I can't necessarily say this is a great book, but boy, is it fun to read. It is it fast to read. Um, this is another one that it just, once it gets going, uh, it's just action scene after action scene. Um, but this one opens with Hitler's doctor coming to the Fuhrer in 
bringing this new medicine to him. Um, and, and good old Adolf is like, it's not enough. I want what the soldiers get. And we know that this doctor, you know, has created the zombie serum. Um, and he says that he's never tested on someone who's still alive. Uh, and, and Hitler says, do it. You know, we need every advantage in the days to come. So the doctor pulls out the serum and then it cuts to the, you know, easy company. And, um, they're given, you know, every, every issue so far, they're given some new, you know, piece of, of weaponry that was pretty modern by our standards, but for world war two, it would have been like a total game changer. Um, so here they're given, you know, uh, tear gas launchers, um, so they can disperse, you know, people in the factory and, and, you know, destroy what they need to. Um, they're also given bazookas and, um, new, new machine guns that basically they're not, they're a bit heavier than what they're using, uh, day to day, but, you know, uh, still pretty, pretty familiar. Um, and that they're going to break Easy Company into two groups. Um, one's going to be led by Sergeant Rock. The other team is going to be led by uh, Dozer, who is the second in command. Um, and that um, they're going to split up and they're going to destroy the plant where they're making this, this stuff and um, shut down the, the operation. Um, so, of course, they, you know, they split up and... They they notice that the the Hitler's doctor's there, so Rock calls an audible and is like, "Well, um, let's bring the doctor in." So it changes the the mission just a little bit um, because they you know if they can flush him out and follow him to see where he's going to go, they can find out more of this. Um, so they they launch the attack. Um, Hitler's doctor almost gets you know fully away. From, from the tear gas attack. Um, but, you know, they're, he's playing right into their hands. And um, the other team goes and uh, runs into some, some issues as they're trying to destroy the narcotics plant is there's a legion of the, the undead Nazi zombies. Um, and it gets into a heavy action sequence. They throw grenades. Um, they blow them up. Turns out these new guns that they're using are super heavy. So, they destroy the body so they can't reanimate. Um, and they, they pull the building on top of this legion of the undead. Um, and then they realize that they have to get in there. So, um, they, they knock their way through, um, and, uh, they destroy all the narcotics and, and get away. So now they're going to go follow, follow the doctor to find out where he's going to go. Uh, and their their team rocks on that mission. The other guys, I think, are going to join back up. But yeah, it's a it's a very quick moving story, which I very much appreciate. Um, it feels like a a World War II action movie, um, like in in the best way. It's very pulpy. It's very you know um, you know Nazis bad guy Nazis die, which is you know pretty ideal in, in all media. So um, yeah, Bruce Campbell kind of knows what he's doing. So I'll, I'll give this a seven point five. Okay. Cool. Uh, so everyone to patreon.com slash TV, commit myself a corner, read a book. Uh Carr did one a little bit earlier, but this is the the, the actual Patreon section at the end. So uh, the other book Connor is catching up with is Undiscovered Country issue nineteen. 
Yeah, so Stavanu arc. Um, it's not as obvious what this arc is yet compared to previous ones, where they're all in the specific zones, and it was very clear what each of those zones were doing. Um, this one, um, so far, yeah, it's it's a little bit different. I'm not sure I'm as into it yet. Uh, the group's very split up. So we have two of them. They wake up. They're like, where's everyone else? And um, they're like, what's going on? They, they seem to kind of be just in the, in the kind of them, relatively speaking, middle of nowhere. And then um, Paul Revere rides past. It's like, the British are coming. And they're like, what, what's going on? What now? Um, yeah, so they, they seem to be, I, I don't know if they've actually time traveled. I'm assuming not. I'm assuming this is whatever this this realm is. It's a it's a realm of alternate timelines, perhaps something like that. Because um, there there are some differences that they talk about. How, like the British aren't there straight away. They do show up a bit later, uh, and they have to use the little robot to kind of uh, attack it, uh, attack them, and like keep themselves safe. And you know, they they run into a, a you know a, a cabin, you know, a house to to hide. And it is um, Colonel Sam's in there, but he's he's dressed, you know, as old old frontiersman. And he's like, "Yeah, sorry about this. You'll you'll have to forgive me, but uh, it's the only way for now." And then seemingly shoots them in the face. Um. So yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on with this plot. It's very different. Um, and then on the other side of it, you've got another group seemingly in a a different possible future perhaps, uh, where you've got uh, Graves as, as president. Um, he seems to have been two-facified. Uh, he very much looks like a traditional two-face, but with a lobster claw as well on one hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's, it's, it's a hell of a look. Uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's the V-Day parade. And and the, you know the others are like, uh, what what's V Day? And I was like, you know, well, well we celebrate, you know, the day we won, well, won what? Uh, everything. Uh, uh, you know, it's this big parade, it's going through, and it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's just kind of very different. Like it's just established. It's very much a weird introductory issue of just establishing <laughs> where slash when they are. And I have no idea what the plot is. For this arc right now, I'm. It's, it's very different. Um, yeah, I'm, the art that's you know solid. It's great. It it doesn't have a lot to do. There's like no action, uh, very little action. There's one sequence of them running from the British, but yeah, not much in it. Um, shockingly quick read. Uh, I got to the end of it and I was like, oh, oh that's it. It it felt like half an issue. Um, it was pretty. <clears throat> unfulfilling in, in that side of things. Um, it's probably my least favorite issue of the book by a significant margin. I still think it's it's fine. It doesn't do anything overtly bad. But yeah, I'm really not sure quite what it is doing. I'm not I'm not really feeling it so far. I, I'm I'm hoping the next issue kind of gives me some clarity as to what's going on and what this arc is. Because overall, this issue. I don't know, it's just like a five. Like it's it's very much just it exists. Wait, um, don't you like this book? I do normally. <laughs> I do I like it a lot. And that's why I'm so confused with this issue where I'm like I I'm not feeling it at all. 
And it, it like I said, it just even from a, a structural side of things, I got, it felt like I read half an issue. I got nothing out of either side of the plot. There wasn't enough in either one of them. Even though they felt like a pretty even split, and it's not a shorter issue, but it just, it felt like there was only a few pages of each thing. Like there was no progression, really. Not a lot happened of anything. Yeah. Um, as a way to start an arc, extremely strange. Yeah, I was not feeling this one at all. All right. Well, there you go. That is out of the part of the show. We pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite <clears throat> panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. So we'll start off with moment slash panel of the week. Connor, what have you got? Um, panel. I'm I'm gonna go from what from, from Robin. Are you gonna pick? How dare you? Can they no, really I'm... be called panels in the traditional yeah. sense? No. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go from Detective. It's a page. I, I don't think I mentioned it while we were talking about it. Um, it's as it's it's a page towards the end of the issue where Batman's kind of jumping down uh, from a building, and it's just the cape flowing. There's all the clouds behind him, like smoke. It's all like purpley in the background. Oh, it's right before he goes into the the the, the, into the power station. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a gorgeous page. Um, I just it, it really suited the tone of that book, uh, and it's unlike what I would expect normally from Ivan Reese. Okay, Matt. Um, so, man, there's a lot from Human Target I could pick, but the one panel that I really, really did like is Bibbo standing next to Superman, facing <laughs> down the new gods, and that that's the one I'm going to go with. Yeah, yeah, making my choice easy then, because I'm just going to go with, oh. I mean, there's a lot of Human Target moments I could the go whole with, book. because I loved yeah. all of it, but that, that final line... Uh, and his realization and just the implications of it just was like one of the best endings to a comic I've read in a while. It just means so much without being this big, you know, over the top cliffhanger. Uh, just a simple, simple little realization, and it, it's perfect for that book and uh, that issue in particular because so much of the the whole thing was just in his head the whole issue anyway. So for the whole thing to just be him realizing why he's wrong and what that might mean is so good. So. Uh, there you go. Uh, cover of the week. Uh, I have to say, like you know, I read uh, five books this week, and all of them have at least one variant that's uh, <laughs> worth mentioning. Uh, Detective has the the one from J.H. Uh, Williams the uh, Third, which looks really good. Um, there's that really cool demonic plastic man from DC versus Vampires. Steve Beach did that one, I believe. Human Targets cover is obviously great. As a nice red canary cover on Dark Races. However, my pick is the main cover for Action Comics, which is the super family looking at the Fortress of Solitude. It's just beautiful, simple, elegant, and has Keenan there and no Connor for bonus points. So That's rude. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, all right, what were you picking, uh Connor? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at all the same covers pretty much. Uh throw in maybe the, the regular tech cover as well i think that's pretty nice sure sure but yeah i'm also settling on the standard uh action cover i think it is a really nice composition yeah it's beautiful uh matt yeah me too that was that was mine since i saw it so all right uh, all right uh, art of the week matt we'll start with you came and target it's that close sure uh i will also say human target it's not even really much of a fight even though there's other good art this week it's just yeah, yeah. obviously just yeah. yeah connor 
Uh, well, I obviously don't have that. I'm actually going to go with DC versus Vampires. Um, there is obviously that one wonky panel towards the end, but Schmidt still kind of kills it overall. Sure, sure. Uh, all right, top five books. Connor? Um, Detective Comics, Action, and then DC Vampires. Oh, that's the two you read. Okay. Te- te- technically, Robin is is there as ah, well. Ah, that's number that's a four. Book, no, no, so that's number four. Count. It came out this week. Patreon book. We don't count Patreon books. Matt, what's your top five? Number one is Shiva Target. Number two is Action Comics. Number three is Detective Comics. Number four is I don't remember what I gave the scores to. Uh, number four is gonna be Vampires and Five Dark Crisis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, number one for me is Human Target. Number two is Detective. Number three is Action. Number four is DC versus Vampires, and number five is the Dark Crisis uh, tie-in issue. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, that is all that. I will now tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. It is a week five, so it's you know it's a weird, uh, weirder week. Uh, but we'll be having a look. Well, we'll not be having a look at all of these, but this is what's coming out. Uh, Nightwing twenty twenty two annual. Detective Comics 2022 Annual, Batgirls 2022 Annual, Justice Society of America Issue 1, Superman Kal-El Returns Special Issue 1, Blue Beetle Graduation Day Issue 1, DC's Grifter Got Run Over by a Reindeer Issue 1, that's their Christmas (laughs) Anthology Special, Uh, and then bizarrely on the same day is Wildstorm 30th Anniversary Special Issue 1, which is another $8, you know, anthology book. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Grifter thing is more DC-wide, but it's just funny that he's the the one they've put in the title, and they've also got a Wildstorm uh, celebration issue on the same day. Uh, And then finally, Nubia and the Justice League Special Issue 1. So... uh, Interesting mix for a week five there. Uh, Certainly, I'll be reading the three annuals, JSA the Kal-El return special and I might read the Blue Beetle uh, it's the style yeah. of me right yeah yeah well, yeah they're, 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 doing a, they're doing a six issue mini or uh, yeah so I think that is the style of the mini yeah it is yeah 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 I got Nightwing Tech Justice Society Kal-El and then so why not I'll commit to Blue Beetle as well there you go Master Spirit yeah Master Spirit no one wants to drop on the whale storm grenade now no thanks ah <laughs> uh, fair enough uh, but yeah, so that's it's actually it's it's a reasonable enough week five for a change. So sometimes you get these week fives where we're oh shit, we've only got one book. Oh well, I guess we'll have mm-hmm. to uh, drum up something yeah. else to talk about. Uh, and I'll do a Patreon book or two as well, of course. So uh, that is uh, what's coming next week from DC Comics. Of course, I will thank our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Traisman, and Alison M. Four days. Thank you to you all, and thanks to all of our patrons for helping support the content. You can go over to patreon.com slash TV and supporters over there for whatever amount you choose. <coughs> uh, the $5 tier and up, you get early access to the show whenever it's ready on the Saturday. Uh, but any support, obviously, is very helpful. Uh, and you can also support us for free by simply liking, subscribing, sharing the podcast out amongst your friends, your social media platforms, uh, wherever. Uh, for as long as Twitter still exists, you can get us at DC Comics Podcast. Um, there's just an at mailed fuzz account on Hive Social, which will just covers all mailed fuzz stuff, uh, rather than making different accounts for it, if that's of interest. Uh, so yeah, check out all these various things, uh, and any and all help is appreciated. But uh, that is the show. That's episode three three two. Yeah. Is that what I said at the start? I think it was. You did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So 
I guess happy Thanksgiving week to the Americans. Yeah, it's over. We're good. Yeah. Now done. everyone's now everyone's fighting each other over getting the best deal for a big screen TV. So, <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, it's Black Friday today, isn't it? That's good. Yeah, point. it is. Yeah, at the time of recording. Oh. But yeah. Well, there you go. That's the show. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, you'll see Connor again in about three months, so uh, look forward to that. Uh, <laughs> thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. Just remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Connor's like a groundhog, but not nearly as cool.